Hello, friends. Welcome to Find Hope, Live Well, a show about doing small things to make big changes in your life. I'm Grant Stenzel. My goal is to help you regain hope and walk with you down the path of healing. Through my experience as a licensed clinical professional counselor and former pastor, I enjoy helping individuals and families navigate through mental health issues. In today's episode, we talk about one of my favorite topics, communication in marriage. This talk comes from a talk I did at Wheaton Bible Church to a premarital class, a class they have to take to be married there. So I get to talk about communication in marriage to new couples who are very excited about getting married. So I hope you enjoy. As a former pastor, I used to do um, premarital counseling. And I used to do the conflict resolution and the communication before people got married. And then I realized that everyone's like, oh, we don't fight. We're not going to do that. We just are going to love each other. And I'm like, yeah, okay, great. And so I started doing it after people got married. I said, you know what, tell you what, I'm going to do all these other ones and it'll be sex and money and whatever. And we'll teach you that. But once you get married and then you have a fight and then you think you need conflict resolution because you don't think you need it, then call me and then we'll do it. It's usually two, three, four weeks into marriage. Then people are like, oh my gosh, we need this help. Um, so you may not think you need this. Um, the people that have been married will tell you, you need this. Um, how to do with conflict resolution, how to communicate. Oh, here we go. If you remember one verse, if you remember one thing from my talk today, and it's James 119b, and that is be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you can apply this to your marriage, you will communicate well. It's very simple. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because this is the problem is, is we are not very quick to listen. We're quick to speak. We're also very quick to get angry. It's kind of our society. It's kind of how we are raised. It's kind of what we do. We get angry quickly. We speak up quickly, and we don't really listen very well. So we're going to talk about it. Arguing. It doesn't work. It's not that arguing is necessarily wrong. Arguing is ineffective. If you disbelieve me, turn on C-SPAN anytime, and watch all these politicians giving their speech on what side you should be on, and zero people changing their vote. I could save them a lot of time. Just vote, don't give the speeches. We as humans love to argue. But when have you argued with someone politically, religiously, or with your fiance, spouse, and you just you gave a great argument, a great point, a great analogy, and the person on the other side said, wow, that's a really good point. I'm going to change my mind. It doesn't happen. Why? Because we as humans are irrational. We're emotional. We get defensive. And the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And what I see in marriages, 20, 30, 50 years, couples still arguing, and it's still not working. For some reason, we think the next time that I give the perfect analogy, if I can just one-up my wife, if I can just explain to my husband this, I'm gonna win the argument. Do you know, we all think that, it's crazy. You know, I actually learned this lesson as um, a brand new Christian. I was uh, eight months old in my faith and I went to Bradley University and I got involved with crusade. And I found out all the great arguments about Christ. You know, the Lord, liar, lunatic theory, and I learned all the evolution, creation, and I went out and argued with everyone to try and win people for the gospel. 
And I won a lot of arguments, because you know I'm a speech major, I'm good at arguing, but I got zero converts from my arguing the gospel. Why? Because people are emotional, people get defensive, and as much as you don't think you are, you're irrational. The next year, fortunately, some older Christians taught me we share a faith, we present Christ, and we leave the results up to God. I was able to see much more people come to know Christ after that when I stopped arguing, stopped trying to win. I started listening to people and talking to them in that, at their level. So if you remember, the next time you're in an argument and you really think it's going to work, I guarantee you, it won't. So be quick to listen. Proverbs says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Oftentimes, our spouse will come to us, our fiance, with something they're upset about. And we will very quickly defend ourselves, explain why we did it, or we will attack them for attacking us. I guarantee you that's not going to help nor work. If someone is yelling, if someone is repeating, if someone's even coming to you emotionally, it's because they feel unheard and they need to feel heard. And so we're going to learn some very simple tools called reflective listening and validating. Reflective listening is simply reflecting back what you've heard. Now, it's not parroting. You want to say the exact same thing. But if my wife comes to me and says, you know what, honey, I'm really upset. You know, every time you come home, you know, the first thing you do is you're just playing on the computer. And you don't talk to me. I could say, well, you know what, I, I sometimes talk to you when I walk in, or I, you know, I need to get on the computer. I could argue, and then she's going to argue back, and she's going to be upset. Or I could reflect and listen. So what I, what I hear you saying is you kind of feel put off. You kind of feel unloved when I go to the computer first, after I pick my wife up off the floor. Um, from being shocked that I said that, she will like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> and she's going to go from here to here. She's going to go from this anger, anger at about seven or eight, to about a one or two. So I'm going to simply say, okay, yeah, I can see where you'd be upset about that. As well as validating. We want to validate the emotion. You know, oftentimes I get husbands and wives saying, well, what if I disagree with my wife? What if I disagree with what she's saying? What if I disagree with my husband? You don't have to agree with someone to validate. You don't have to agree with someone to use reflective listening. I do it all the time in counseling, actually. Um, I hear, so what I hear you saying is, you know, you get really upset when you yell at your wife and she doesn't listen to you. Well, I can see where that will upset you. See, now where am I agreeing with that statement because he shouldn't be yelling at his wife, but I'm validating the emotion. I'm hearing what he's saying, I'm reflecting it back, and I'm saying, you know what, I validate you as a human being, I understand this is the emotion you're feeling. Okay, so in a second here, we're gonna role play, we're gonna try this, okay? We're gonna say the husband comes in late, the wife complains he's always late, and the husband we want to validate and reflect. Now wives, or fiancés, you don't have to do this perfectly because this is not about you. This is about validating. You can say, you know what, I'm just sick of you coming in late all the time. Okay? And then husbands, I want you to validate the emotion you think your, your wife or future wife is feeling and what they're saying. Okay? So try that. See how it goes. Go. Good. Good. All right, who has a husband or... I'm just going to keep it calling it husband, just get over it. Um, <laughs> who has a husband here who you think did reflective listening really well? And you want to use him as an example? <laughs> no one? No husband did it well? 
It's okay, I didn't teach much on it yet. <laughs> no, okay, who had a wife who you thought that the statement was really hard to reflect? Oh, come on, there, was, there had to be one woman that was kind of mean or said something. <laughs> I told you to be, it was okay. Give me one. Go. Okay, what did you say? What did you say to your husband? Stop coming home late. Stop coming home late. Okay. Paul, what did you say to that? Uh, I said, I'm sorry that by coming home late has me. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Not reflecting. <laughs> so what I hear you saying, so you're trying to solve the problem and tell her that you're in charge of her feelings. You know, I simply, you know what? I can see where me being late would upset you. You know, what, do you, what would you like me to do about that? Or do you know what? I can see um, where you, me being late, you know, what, do you, what does that communicate to you? I can even ask you a further question. What does that communicate to you when I'm always late? And you would say, wow, don't you don't love me. Yeah. And I would say, do you know, and I wouldn't argue, well, you know I love you, because that's going to be an argument. I would simply say, do you know what? I could see where that would make you feel unloved. I'm really sorry. I'm going to work on that. All of a sudden, you're going to go from here to here, a lot calmer. However, I say, well, you know I love you. I gave you flowers last week. <laughs> what are you going to say to that? Where are my flowers now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Arguing just doesn't work. We have, we have in us a desire to battle. And we found that in James 4, is that we have a desire to battle within our hearts. Now we're going to try to switch it. Wife, you are um, nitpicking everything the husband does. I'm not saying all wives nag. Um, my wife doesn't, actually. Um, husband, you want you to ask it to stop. I want to say, you know what? I need you to stop nagging me. Wife, I want you to validate and reflect what you think your husband's feeling. Go. But, um, something Okay, how did it go? <laughs> who, who has a wife that reflected well or validated well? Anyone? Jim's wife reflected and that doesn't surprise me at all. Jim, what did you say to Ann? Um, I said, I realize that I'm messy and leave a lot of things around, but your nitpicking is overwhelming. Okay, good. Ann, what did you say? I'm so sorry. I can see how my being overwhelmed with <laughs> wow. I can see, since you're such a pig, why I'm nitpicky. Not so much. You know, Jim, I can understand why you're so overwhelmed. You feel that I'm being nitpicky to you. You feel like I'm attacking you on little things that I'm bothered by so much, and I can see that would be overwhelmed for you. I'm sorry. I felt validated. So. No, well, good. But you can't live with me, Jim. Sorry. 
You gotta go back and live with Ann. See, here's the thing about listening. Listening isn't just with your ears. Listening is with your mouth. We wanna hear our spouse, but then we wanna explain that we've heard them. That's what validating is. That's what reflective listening is. I'm saying I hear the emotion you're sharing, I hear the story you're sharing, and I'm explaining it back. The communication cycle does not end with the person saying something. It ends with them knowing they've been heard, okay? And this is why, again, people yell, people repeat, people nag, and, um, because they feel unheard, because they don't feel listened to. They don't feel their spouse gets what they're saying. And oftentimes we hear them, and then we're like, oh, yeah, 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 but, right? You might hear them, but what you're pretty much communicating is, yeah, I understand, yeah, whatever. But I have, what I have to say is more important. And that's definitely not what you want to communicate, and it will not go well. Um, slow to speak. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips. Whoever spreads slander is a fool. When words are many, this is so important, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. We often think we're better understood with the more words we say. Now, typically, this is one gender versus the other a little more. But I'm not going to say which. But you know who you are. Oftentimes, we think if we just give five analogies and eight explanations and seven points and eight examples, then our spouse will understand what we're trying to say. No, your spouse will get defensive, and your spouse will find an argument for all 25 of those. You know, like if I were to say, you know, always or never, or if I were to give eight different points, I'm going to get overwhelmed. If someone comes at me, I'm going to get overwhelmed. I'm going to get defensive. I naturally become defensive as someone is attacking me. What we want to do is figure out what we're upset about. Positive, assertive communication. What is the one thing I'm really upset about? What do I want to communicate? Okay, and here we have a formula to help you guys. Positive, assertive communication. We're going to start with I. Okay, and I guarantee you, I'm not actually completely following that, just so you know. <laughs> if you start a sentence with you, I have a guarantee for you. If you start a sentence with you, your spouse will get defensive and you will have an argument. Virtually every time. However, if you start with I, you're owning your feeling, you're owning your emotion, you're not blaming immediately. I feel sad. When you come home and go straight for the computer, I would like it if you... When you came home, you sought me out first. So as I feel emotion. Now it has to be an emotion. I had a couple once, I was trying to teach them assertive communication. The husband thought, if he said, I feel, he could then say anything he wanted afterwards. So he said, I feel like you're being an idiot. <laughs> and he's like, well, Grant said I could do that. And I very quickly explained to him, no, you cannot say, I feel you're acting like an idiot. Because acting like an idiot, this thing is driving me crazy, is not an emotion. <laughs> you cannot feel like you're acting like an idiot. You can feel sad. I know, this thing's crazy. You can feel happy. Thank you. You can feel... Okay, we'll use your mind. You can feel upset. You can feel put off. You can put unlo feel unloved. But you can't feel like your spouse is being an idiot. Okay? So what we want to do is share. I feel hurt. And the great part about this, it's really inarguable. You can't say, well, no, you don't feel sad when I come home and go straight for the computer. You can't say that. That would be awful, and you're something amazing or wrong with you, and you need to come see me. Um, but you can't argue this. If you say, you know what, 
Every time you come home, you go search for the computer. I could argue that, well, last Tuesday I didn't. And that's really what's gonna happen, right? As soon as, as soon as you say always or never, you're going to get the argument of the one time it did not happen. This makes it easier for your spouse to hear you and for there not to be an argument. And so we're gonna try this, okay? I feel emotion when you do something. Could you do something differently? So wife, you are upset your husband never compliments you and always criticizes you. Use pot as an assertive communication to explain that to your husband. And then husbands, I want you to try and reflect back. Ready? Go. Okay, how'd it go? Who here thinks their wife did a great job of using positive assertive communication? Wow, no one, oh, you do, okay. Let's hear what your wife said. What'd you say? I said, high five. I said, um, I feel insecure when you, you know, criticize me sometimes. Um, could you compliment me just a little bit more? Okay, good. That was really good. She explained exactly what she wanted. The funny thing about positive assertive communication, you're actually just being more direct. You're saying, this is really what I want. Because oftentimes when we're arguing, we're just kind of backdooring what we want. We're not explaining, we're just being very upfront. You know what, I feel insecure, I feel hurt. And you know, your husband can't say, well, no, you don't feel insecure when I criticize you. That would be crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, women are always insecure. Um, yeah, so are men. <laughs> we just don't admit it as well. So actually, you're more courageous. <laughs> I could say that, I'm a man. And what did you say to reflect, to validate that? Um, I said I will try to compliment you more. Okay. And I will cut out. Okay. What was what was the emotion though she was feeling? Insecure. Okay. So I can understand why. So I can understand why me criticizing you would make you feel insecure. Oh. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but you but you always want to hit the emotion, not just what she said, not just what your solution is, because honestly, when men they're looking a lot less for the solution. They're looking more for validation. I guarantee you on that one. Um, she wants to know you understand the emotion there. You need to use that word insecure. So I can understand. Yeah, she's trying to get you to understand. I could see why that would make you insecure. You know what? That would make me insecure. That makes sense. I'm really sorry that you feel insecure. So hit that emotion line. It is so immensely important. Wives, look at your husband and say, yes, that is very important. See, I'm not lying here. Because <laughs> honestly, they don't care about your solution. They really don't. I learned this many, many years ago. Fortunately, I have a very godly, wise wife who's been a counselor longer than I. And I remember she had come home from work and she was complaining about her boss. So I, as a good husband, was sick of her complaining and so wanted to fix it for her, really just so I could not hear her complain anymore. So I gave her the five things she should do to manage her manager better so that she wouldn't get upset and therefore she wouldn't come and complain to me. Of course, I didn't tell her that part. She looked up at me, I'm much taller than her. She grabbed my hand, she goes, Grant, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. This is very, very important. Let me translate that. I'm actually bilingual, I speak male and female. Okay, <laughs> so let me translate it for the men. The best way for you to fix it is to listen and validate. Because women, your men aren't gonna stop wanting to fix. It's natural. We breathe, we fix. It's what we do, it comes natural. I know it drives you all nuts. But guys, the best way to fix it is to validate that emotion, just listen to them, let them vent. If they want a solution, they'll ask. 
Or you can say, hey, do, do you want a suggestion on that? Oftentimes they're going to say no. <laughs> they don't, they're not looking for a solution. They're just looking to be heard. They're looking to connect with us because that's how they connect with their girlfriends. They complain to each other. You ever see two women sitting at a, at a restaurant? If one's angry, the other one is yeah. angry. She gets even more angry. You're busted, what? He's, no, he's a jerk. <laughs> you know, we don't do that. Like if, if I went to Jim and I'm like, you know, I'm complaining about my boss. And he's like, he would not match my emotion because I was like, what is wrong with you? I'm looking at him to talk me down and calm me down and get me to a level, right? That's what we as guys do, but that's not what your wife wants. And wives, that's not what we're looking for either, so just so you know. So we can understand each other a little better. All right, second role play. Husbands, you're upset your wife has been very cold lately, not very affectionate. Now that you think of it, she's never been affectionate. Use positive assertive communication. I'm trying to set you up to fail here, so be very careful. Use positive assertive communication and wife reflect back. Okay? Your wife has not been affectionate. And I'll go back to the formula. Guys, this was hard, wasn't it? Guys? What guy thought this was hard? Raise your hand. You can admit it. You can admit it. Why was it hard? Because it meant we had to figure out what emotion we were feeling. I feel good. I feel bad. Those are seriously the two emotions I get from men all the time. I'm counseling them. How do you feel? I feel good. My like, good's not an emotion. I feel bad. Bad's not an emotion. Fine's not an emotion either, really. So this is hard for us. Sometimes we have to figure out what we do feel about it. Okay, usually it's anger, but there's usually some underneath the anger, okay? Oftentimes we men go to anger, unfortunately, because it's really the only vulnerable emotion we know that we feel safe with. We've been taught from very little that we're not allowed to cry or show shame or show fear. You think about it, a four-year-old girl falls off her bike and cries, daddy hugs her, oh, poor baby, four-year-old boy falls off his bike, what happens? Get up, you're fine, get back on your bike, stop crying. No, I didn't say that to my kids, but oftentimes fathers did that. And then we grow up, and then we go to elementary school, and the kid that cries is get beat, gets beat up. And then we, we play football or, or different sports. I remember I dislocated my elbow, I didn't cry. I just walked up to the coach, I'm like, coach, I can't move my arm. I wasn't gonna cry. Why, because I would have made fun of. So I can't show a vulnerable emotion. We've been taught by our society that we as men can't show true vulnerable emotions. So we found we just go to anger. If we're sad, we're angry. If we're ashamed, we're angry. If we're ashamed, we're angry. If we're anything, we're afraid, we go to anger. So men, we need to learn to be able to find out what's under that anger. Oftentimes, it's, maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's hurt. And you know, if you go to your wife and say, you know, I feel very hurt by this, she is gonna go, oh. <laughs> and she's going to feel awful. And she is probably going to change. And she's going to feel terrible for you. But if you go, you know what? I am just so sick of the fact. Yeah, that's not going to go well <laughs> at all. OK? Very simple. Cornered dog, scared, shows his teeth. That's we as guys. If you're showing your teeth and growling, your wife's not going to listen to you. But if you lay down on the ground and you show your belly, <laughs> Your wife is going to feel sorry for you. There is no woman here that would, if I show a big picture of a puppy, they wouldn't go, oh, right? Do that. Be the puppy with your wife. If you just show your vulnerability. Don't go to anger. Go to, you know what? I feel sad. I feel scared. You know, your wife has probably never heard you say, I feel scared, because we don't say that. And speaking of anger. The last part of James. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man looks over an insult. 
And this is for all of us, because men and women all struggle with anger. But you know what? It's very, very important to know anger is a choice. <coughs> I used to struggle with anger. Actually, many years ago, I punched a hole in a door. I was so angry. I was having an argument with my wife. I felt she wasn't listening to me. She wasn't using validating or reflective listening at the time. But you know what? I own it. It was my own fault. She wasn't listening to me. I punched a hole in the door, and I punched the back of our couch so bad that I broke it. I was pretty angry. At that point, I said, I'm out of control. I need to change. I, at that point, had blamed circumstances on my anger. If someone cut me off, it was their fault I was angry. If my wife didn't listen to me, it was her fault I was angry. I said, I need to change this. Once I learned that anger is a choice, I was able to control it. See, we think that things cause anger because our interpretation of the event, our thought, happens so quickly we don't notice it. But if you think about it, road rage, great example. Someone cuts you off in traffic, you get angry, right? Well, if someone cutting someone off in traffic is the cause of anger, every single person would get angry. Right? Logical guys, right? Yeah. But it doesn't, does it? Not every time someone gets cut off, gets angry. What's the difference? Is the interpretation of the event. You could think, well, this guy doesn't have a right to cut me off, and I'm going to be late to work. You're getting angry. Or you can think, wow, OK, they're an idiot. They don't know how to drive. I'm going to back off a little. I'll be 1.2 seconds later to work. I'll live. And you know what, honestly, I have not screamed or punched anything in that many years since I punched a hole in a door. I have not raised my voice, and I have not punched anything, and I have not yelled, because I owned my anger and realized that it's my choice. There are great things we also can do for anger, but very most importantly, I would say, is realize that anger is a choice. We choose our anger. It's also, we need to manage our expectations. And we all go into marriage thinking our wife or our husband is going to fulfill us. We're going to live happily ever after, right? Because that's what the movies say, that's what the storybooks say. But let me give you a theology lesson from Romans 3. Very quickly. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. His throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their ways, the ways of peace they do not know. There's no fear of God in their eyes, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3. Theology lesson. If you are surprised when someone else sins, you have bad theology. If you're surprised when you sin, you have bad theology, but that's a different lesson. If you are surprised when your spouse fails you, your spouse disappoints you. Your spouse doesn't do what you expect. Your spouse doesn't naturally know to load the dishwasher. If your spouse yells at you, your spouse does something wrong, you shouldn't be surprised. I mean, really, what's our theology? Very simply, God loves us. Man is sinful. Christ died on the cross, right? Man is sinful. We forget that in our humanistic American society that teaches that people are naturally good. People aren't naturally good. Your spouse is not naturally good. Your spouse is naturally selfish and irrational. I am. I'm naturally irrational and selfish. And I sin. My proclivity is to sin. I mean, I have the Holy Spirit. I have God. I have Bible study. I have all these things. I have accountability. And I still struggle with sin. That doesn't mean we don't ask our spouse to be better or to improve. But don't be shocked when your spouse fails you. And this is a huge revelation I see in young marrieds. Wow, my wife really doesn't love me the way I thought she would. I don't feel fulfilled from my husband. Fulfillment will come from God. My hope is that your marriage is good. My hope is that your spouse does help you. 
But I guarantee you will not find all your fulfillment from your spouse because God has created it that way. He is a jealous God. He doesn't want you to get all your peace and fulfillment from someone else. He wants it, you to get it from him. So newsflash, your spouse is going to sin. Your spouse is going to sin against you. Your spouse is going to let you down. They're not going to meet your expectations, not going to fulfill you. They're going to have a bad day. They're going to get moody. Yes, men get moody too. I have finally gotten to a point where I'm old enough to admit I get moody. Um, they're going to say mean things and they're not going to meet all your desires. Manage your expectations. Do you know what causes anger? Is expectations. When our spouse doesn't meet our ex expectations, we get angry. I'm not surprised when my wife sins. I don't like it when she sins, especially against me. But I shouldn't be surprised. And you know what we can do? We can focus on the negative parts of our spouse, or we can fo focus on the positive parts of our spouse. And if you focus on the positive and you look, just remind yourself, the next time you're angry at your spouse, what do you like about them? What's good about them? That can also just change your mood right there. Okay, some um, thou shall nots and thou shalls. I'm not gonna read every single one here. They're in your handout. These are just what's called fair fighting guidelines. If you get an argument, if you fight, there's rules. Guys, you should understand this, football. You know, there's rules to football and you can play according to the rules, everything's fine, otherwise you get in trouble. But very, very important, no yelling, no name calling. Do not use always or never. I guarantee that will start an argument. Guaranteed. Um, sarcasm, no eye rolling, uh, no use of intimidation or threats. You know, men, I, I want you to understand, and I'm often meaner to men than I'm women when I'm doing marriage counseling because I have higher expectations. Men, your wife is probably not physically as strong as you. I know that's shocking. My wife's 5'2", yeah, just, it's not a big shock. And you know, she might come off strong emotionally. My wife, very emotionally strong, very sharp businesswoman. I sometimes forget that she's so much smaller than me. And I didn't realize early in our marriage, when I yelled at her, that scared her. She didn't want to show fear because she wanted to put up her defense mechanism. She would just yell at me back. But you know what? She was scared. I've never hit my wife and never would hit my wife. And my wife knows that. But it doesn't matter. You know, men, imagine you live with Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> okay? He's a big dude. I know he's kind of funny, but he's a big dude. Imagine he starts screaming at you once a week. Never hit you. You'd get a little nervous, wouldn't you? You'd be a little scared. You'd be like, ooh. I mean, I always joke with my wife. I'm like, I don't know how you live with someone that much bigger than you. That would bother me. <laughs> I'm like, doesn't it bother you? She goes, no, you wouldn't hurt me. I'm like, oh, but what, I could. She goes, but you won't. I'm like, Just remember that, man. You scare your wife more than you realize, and probably more than they let on. Because honestly, they're probably afraid to even let on. So I want, guys, very, very important, do not yell at your wives. Do not try and intimidate them physically. So, so important. Thou shall, a lot of these being honest, apologizing for wrongs. Um, one I really want to highlight is calling a timeout when things are escalating, okay? When we're angry or we're hurt or feeling a very strong emotion, okay? In our brains, we go to the back, okay? And that's where fight or flight is. And we should, because God has created our brains in a very specific manner that, you know, if in an emergency, we shouldn't review what we should do. If a bear comes at you at the woods, bear comes at you at the woods, in the woods. Wow, I was a speech major. 
you shouldn't think and analyze what you should do. You should either run or you should fight. Okay, so it's fight or flight. God has created our brains that way. But when you get angry, you go to fight or flight mode. You are naturally irrational. You are not, all you're trying to think of is how can I fight this person or can I run from this person? Nothing good when it comes when you're angry. I mean, I've literally heard people go, I'm not yelling! Okay, you're not yelling. Good, I'm glad. When we are angry, we think we're rational. We're not. Just accept it. You're not rational when you're angry. Call a timeout. I don't care if it's the wife or the husband. Call timeout and say, you know what? Let's come back in 60 minutes and talk about this. 60 minutes, why? Because it takes 60 minutes to calm down from adrenaline. You're going to do nothing, 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 nothing. I'm gonna say it one more time, nothing good in your anger. Go away for an hour, calm down. But you have to come back because oftentimes your spouse will feel abandoned. You know, oftentimes we as men will be like, hey, you know, yeah, let's talk about this later. And then we never talk about it. So neither are good. We definitely want to come back and talk about it, but we want to calm down first before we do, okay? Recommended books. Um, I'm assuming you've probably have heard of most of these or have been recommended already, but I will recommend them. Anyway, Love and Respect by Emerson Egrich, incredible marriage book. Help you understand the differences between men and women. Ragamuffin Gospel, not a marriage book, um, but a lot in there is about the fact that we are sinners. We are a bunch of ragamuffins before God. And honestly, understanding your theology that man is sinful will help you in your marriage. Uh, the Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, and honestly, Proverbs. Read the Proverbs with your wife every day. It will greatly help you. So, I understand you get the table questions now? Here's your table questions. You can read them. I don't have to read them to you. So, thank you for allowing me to come. If you have any questions, I'll be here afterwards. So. <laughs> That's going to do it for today's episode. Visit stenzoclinical.com backslash news for helpful tips on parenting, relationships, managing anxiety, battling depression, and more. You can also find us on social media with the handle at stenzoclinical. If you enjoyed our show, please be sure to leave a review. As always, thank you for listening.